Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Atlas. I'm your host, David Fennell. As always, I'm joined by Ross Harden. Hey, Dave. How you doing? Hey, Ross. How's it going? We didn't think we'd get to record this week, but uh, here we are. Yeah, we're a a bit delayed. Schedules were tight, but we made it happen because we love doing it. That's okay. We want to keep on on recording it so you can keep on listening. Um, We were originally going to have our friend Ryan on this week's episode, but because we didn't get to record on Sunday, he wasn't available today. So we brought Murphy back from last week's episode. Hey, Murphy. Uh, that, That makes me feel so special. Hey, you get two episodes in a row. That is pretty cool. I, I would like to say, though, out of all the guests that we've had, you've been the best. I, I'm the only guest you've had. Exactly. Uh, don't, don't, don't devalue it, Murphy. Like, there, <laughs> there, there's value in that. You know, yeah, first world problems. <laughs> you know, when, when you're batting 100 and you're, you know, one, for, you know, one out of one, that's good. And uh, as always, thanks to everybody that has been listening, uh, that have listened to episode one and two, giving us a like and a subscribe on SoundCloud, Facebook, and all that. Thank you. We do appreciate it. Uh, share it with your friends. Um, the player base may, may be going down for No Man's Sky, but uh, you should be sharing it with the people who are still playing. Um, thanks to the uh, No Man's Sky Facebook group page as well that I believe uh, Ross and I are part of. Um, it's pretty much a great community. Uh, everyone who's been hating on the game has kind of been shut out of that community, which I think is a little unfair because, yes, it is a fan page, but uh, at the we, same time, you know. You should be able to voice, you know, skepticism or criticism for something, you know, and people shouldn't be babies about it, you know, complaining about, oh, well, this person's trashing the game that I really well, care for. This is just a difference I, I of I can kind of see the point of shutting it down, though, uh, just because those people who do feel negatively about the game at this point Shouldn't be on a fan page. Well, they also <laughs> can feel so strongly that they may troll those media sources and outlets and, um, you know, really just kind of interrupt the flow of people just wanting to, you know, share some gameplay experiences and have a good time with it. Certainly. And at this point in time, we are a pro No Man's Sky podcast and we plan on keeping that way. We, uh, I know I'm still loving the game, enjoying it. Um, uh, definitely trying to get my time in. Uh, every time I get on though, I feel like I don't know what I want to do next. It's like, I have really objectives, but I'm not sure what I want to do in what order. And it's like, well, ultimately I want to go to the next system and see what there is to see there. But there's also plenty of things I want to do in this system and, and, and things like that. But, um, I'm kind of feeling the same way, Dave. Uh, you know, I've been kind of going back to some of the earlier systems, my first starting system and some of the neighboring ones, uh, just to kind of clean up and, check out some of the planets that I didn't get to explore thoroughly. And, you know, I just, I don't want to keep, I don't want to move on too far into the game. I know that my first Atlas point is maybe four systems away right now. I don't want to get too far before yeah. I have finished exploring where I am. Cause, and there's still that black hole system that I haven't fully checked out or traveled through. So that there's that option too. Yeah. And I checked out my first Atlas interface and space anomaly, um, over this past weekend. And, um, I, I was kind of like you, Ross, I kind of wanted to hold off. I wasn't, uh, eager to jump on either path and, and go either way. Um, Murphy, I know you kind of took off head first on uh, the Atlas path. Yeah. And, uh, also running into the, uh, spatial anomaly multiple times and interacting with that, uh, particular pair of aliens and, um, getting more benefits from them. Uh, as far as, uh, my continuing personal goals right now, I'm kind of very, I'm shifting back and forth between two primary goals. I still want a better ship, um, 
And there's two good ways to do that, save up money or search for derelicts, uh, which I'll be going into a little later. Yeah, let's... And, um, and also just uh, continuing my explorations, continuing to jump into new systems, check out new planets, see if I come across more artifact worlds or more just you know structurally interesting or uh, particularly worlds rich in life forms, uh, find very interesting. Gotcha. Well, we'll get into kind of what all of us have been doing a little deeper later on in the show. Uh, but first and foremost, we got a little bit of news to go over in the game. Um, first off, uh, I did kind of want to talk a little bit about mods um, for the PC. I know this doesn't really affect you a whole lot right now, Ross, but in a way it kind of does because, I mean, we've seen with games like Fallout now that are able to support mods on the console. I mean, uh, are, are mods something that you would be interesting interested in and having in available to you on the ps4 in the future well actually yes um i'm really looking forward to uh the skyrim definitive edition coming out later this year i guess just in another few months i think mm-hmm. um you know played the hell out of that game on ps3 but i'm looking forward to seeing the crisp updated graphics and i know that ps4 is not going to get all the mods but a lot of the main ones are going to be part of the game so yeah i would i would be interested to see what kind of mods are coming out for yeah, PC. a lot of the work of the community got folded back into that effort well and even if if um, some of the mods aren't incorporated as actual mods for the game maybe some of the things that are done might be incorporated by uh, hello games in the future for future updates just hardware patching, right and software uh, patching the game the biggest mod that everybody seems to be talking about right now uh is the low flight mod um i'm sorry i don't have here who the guy who was that created that but it basically unlocks the game uh, from stopping you when you get too close to the ground where it kind of auto levels you out and makes you go straight and if you go towards a, a raised landscape of any kind you know it, it pulls you up so you don't crash into the side of a mountain and stuff like that um, that removes this as well as allows you to take your ship underwater um, there are a few bugs people have uh, ended up getting their ships stuck in terrain and stuff like that um, however uh, kind of one of the things that was shown in early trailers of the game were the ability to kind of fly underneath those weird rock formations and stuff like that. And uh, with the game, the vanilla version of the game as it is now, you can't do that because it'll just level you out before you are able to go underneath anything. Yeah, and hopefully um, uh, Hello Games does uh, pick up on some of those community efforts and um, uh, much like a game I play a lot of, uh, World of Warships, that game has integrated mods made by the community into gameplay updates. The mods that have just been really popular that they track on their community sites have been integrated into it. So there's uh, there's definitely a precedent for um, tapping the community to help, in effect, further the development of the game. Well, without without the community, you know they don't have anything to update there's nothing worth doing if they don't have community behind them so yeah i would i, I second that murphy i really want to see them incorporate any community-based or player-based yeah, especially mods. ones that get like so much momentum it's like okay all the people who are seriously playing this game have this mod integrated into the game yeah it needs to be part of the game well and and that's kind of one thing uh, i think at, at this point some people would disagree but uh, I think Hello Games and Sean Murray are, are good about listening to the, the community and the player base and what people are wanting. Um, I mean, when the, the game's launch happened and there were issues on both P, uh, PS4 and PC, um, very quickly 
within a week or two, the first patches that came out uh, addressed a lot of the major issues that people were having with the game, which allowed a lot of people to even be able to play the game. And those who were already able to play fixed a lot of issues they were having. Um, so I, I think that they are listening to their community. And I think a lot of the, the things that people are asking for um, and we're seeing through mods and stuff like that, uh, there's a very good chance of those getting incorporated into the base game at some point in time. Um, another major thing is is that there are people who really don't like this game. Um, they're very disappointed. They feel like they were lied to, that they didn't get what they saw in the trailers and stuff, and they, were, they are wanting refunds for the game. Um, it, within the past 24 hours or so, it's kind of gone around that uh, it didn't matter who the, the source was or the provider was, that, you were, that everyone was getting refunds. All these people were requesting refunds and getting it. So the internet did what the internet did, does best and blew it up into this huge thing um, to where, oh, well, if you don't like the game, just request a refund. Everyone's giving out refunds right now. Uh, Murphy, you let me know earlier, and I actually have gone back and read about it now, that Steam, uh, that's not the case at all. With them. Yeah, they um, uh, they have posted, uh, well, there's actually two links on the Steam store page for No Man's Sky, uh, one of which is a report from PC Gamer, and one of which is a release directly from Steam, specifying that No Man's Sky still falls under the standard Steam return policy. If more than 14 days have passed from your purchase, or if you have played more than two hours of the game, you cannot return it. And uh, no exception has been made for No Man's Sky, uh, despite uh, some Reddit and some other uh, internet forums claiming that that is the case. And I actually saw that um, most providers uh, aren't just giving out refunds willy-nilly. Um, there have been people getting refunds, but it's been on a very case by case basis. Um, the best advice is if you want a refund, contact whoever you bought it from. If you bought it from Amazon, contact Amazon, so on and so forth, you know, talk to them. But if you don't like the game, you're probably not listening to this podcast. So, <laughs> and also keep in mind, uh, I, I've always found the steam system to be pretty fair. And that idea is like, if you, you know, most of the times you you know whether or not you like a game within a few minutes, and oh, yeah, you know their system gives you two hours uh, as a margin to be to go back to rethink your decision on the purchase. Right. So, um, so yeah. Well, and I wanted to touch on um, the, I guess part of the fiasco that was kind of blown up about the refunds. Um, you know, there's several tweets from a former Sony employee. Um, Saeed Kamal Ahmad, uh, he was a strategist for con uh, strategist content director, and um, he actually had a hand in securing No Man's Sky, and he kind of he lashed out a little bit at first, um, you know, calling some of these people that have played the game for fifty plus hours thieves, right? For for asking for, for a refund, one, and, back, yeah. you know, maybe that was a bit harsh, but he's kind of he hadn't necessarily backtracked on that, but did kind of clarify that he just felt like, you know, it wasn't good wasn't a good news for the industry to be asking for a refund for something after you played it. Like in today's time, how many resources do we have to figure out if we like a game or not? Most people know before they even play a game, there's enough resources right. out there. I mean, yeah, no man's sky was shrouded in a lot of mystery, but up until a release, well, but still I think that, you know, I mean, and I'm, I'm, I'm not always one to, uh, to do research before things. I'm sometimes can be a bit of a impulse buyer, especially when it comes to games, not with this one, but you know, it just seems like, 
there was available opportunities to do your research and to know what you're getting into. Well, I think the thing is, too, is uh, I don't necessarily disagree with this guy because I, I don't understand why people feel like they're entitled to a refund. Yeah, you, like, you paid money for it. I mean, not to be old man, but like back in my day, you know, back in the day, you couldn't if you went and bought a PlayStation One game or a Nintendo sixty four game, like most department stores and, and places like that. Once you opened electronic stuff, you couldn't return it. Yeah, and it didn't matter yeah, unless the game literally was... the game wasn't working. In which case, you could return it for the same thing right. for a different copy. But yeah, I mean, I you know, growing up, I never ever heard about someone getting refunds on video games. Yeah, we had you know trading game trading stores and whatnot but just, yeah, the new it, policies, just, it just seems you know really aren't bad i mean in in effect you you know following the steam policy you kind of have a free demo of about any game you want to play Absolutely. if you if you really look at it from that light it just seems petty for for you know many people and you know i'm not going to apologize for calling any of them out obviously don't know them by name but no it's petty to, to argue over the cost of a game and your enjoyment of it because certainly i've bought games that i didn't spend even nearly as long as i've spent and, and still cared for just you know for one reason or another just didn't get into playing and i've you know i don't i have no what to blame but myself right and in, in, in each and every one of those cases i'm only i hold myself accountable right and these people should do the same it, it, it's ridiculous it's it's very petty and, it, and it's kind of one of those things it's like i don't understand and I, I've been around for a lot of game launches and participated in a lot of launches for different games, like AAA games and stuff like that. And I don't understand what's special about No Man's Sky, I guess because the hype was just so large for it going into it, that people are just so disappointed that they just lose all sense of you know, logic, I guess. It's like, oh, so you mean this isn't Grand Theft Auto in space? Yeah. Oh, oh man, this is this is this is too much like Minecraft for me, and I I don't like that. I I want my money back. It's like, no, you can't. You you paid for it. It's yours now. If you don't like it, just don't play it. But you well, made that investment. Uh, it's certainly not as drastic as um you know some of the cases of pre-order over expectation. Um, you know, the most notorious of which probably being. Uh, Aliens Colonial Marines where the trailer bore no resemblance to the game right. and the core game itself was n not fun and barely right. playable and uh, highly derivative um, whereas No Man's Sky is a fairly original experience and uh, um, maintains you know, a fairly tight element of gameplay and definitely has room to be expanded easily and that's what i'm saying it's like if you paid for it and you don't like it now give it a chance give it time if you have it don't play it go back to playing whatever you were playing before go back to playing call of duty go back to playing world of warcraft go back to playing league dota whatever nuka world came out today yeah go back to playing fallout there's new content for that yay go back and play that come back to world no man's sky in a while and see what it's about then maybe it'll be more like what you expected out of the game before and you won't feel so bad about the fact that you spent sixty dollars on it until then the rest of us are going to keep enjoying it right so you know come on back when you're ready and those of us that are playing uh there's a new patch patch 1.07 that just came out for the playstation and the pc versions um lot lot going on in this uh some fixes and just some gameplay improvements nothing major yet nothing Nothing different that we haven't already seen in the game. Just some improvements to what's already there. Um, 
uh, kind of diving into the ob- uh, objective issues and people that had hyperdrive issues. Um, you're no, no longer able to redeem your pre-order ship at a point which you would then prevent you from learning the hyperdrive blueprint. So before you would claim your pre-order ship before you got the blueprint for hyperdrives, if later on down the line you wanted to change over to a new ship, you wouldn't then be able to build a hyperdrive in it if it didn't already have one because you didn't go through the appropriate amount of steps to get your blueprint. So does the, do they just add the blueprint to your inventory, I suppose? I, I don't know if it's that or if they just don't let you see the message for your pre-order thing or you can't claim your pre-order thing. Well, it was probably something to do point. with the triggering of the building of your first hyperdrive quest. That's probably... Because well, the bug originated from, you know, obviously cashing in the ship, which already has a hyperdrive before you've learned the blueprints, meaning you don't have to get the blueprints to start traveling around. Yeah, so but when you're re- ready to upgrade, you, you don't have the blueprints. So, view. I mean, that's what I'm wondering is like if, you're, if you've already cashed in their ship, do they just give you the blueprints now? What well, says players no longer able to bypass being sent to find hyperdrive tech by reloading a save in game at a very specific point. So I guess maybe that was part of the issue previously because I never experienced the issue because I knew about it prior to. So I just didn't claim my ship until later on. Um, Ross, I know you claimed it pretty much right away, but you still never had that problem. Right? No. And then, you know, I'm, you know, I've upgraded my ship since last week and, has a hyperdrive and everything, so I'm good to go. Right. Um, it fixed some issues with getting stuck in the world. Um, there were some low pre low excuse me low repro bugs that could result in you falling through the world and getting stuck underground. Shouldn't happen anymore. Um, the know, issue of getting stuck in space stations is pretty much done. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which had definitely happened to me. Uh, and yeah, no, yeah, they specifically addressed it for Atlas stations, and that's. That had definitely been an issue I've run into. Right. When they took care of the issue I was having too, um, or P- PS4 issues that had, uh, PS4 users have been having. As of last week, I had not experienced this, but over this week I have, where you would get into your ship, and instead of just shooting up above the, you know, the ground a little mm-hmm. bit, it would launch you into orbit. It launch you into orbit. And they, I don't. That's been a complaint that's been around since day one, and I'm not sure why that hasn't been fixed yet. Maybe they don't. It, it has. Oh, it no, has. That's been. part it's, of this patch. Done. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I see. That I just now. hadn't had. I had, I, I had not experienced it personally oh, as that. of last week's episode, but but this, since then, since then have. I have. Um, this is another issue that seems to have been fixed, but I feel like I experienced this today after the game had been patched. It says fix an issue that would cause your ship to get stuck in terrain and prevent you from taking off. If the player managed to outrun generation of terrain LOD one and land inside an overhang, I was leaving a planet today. And I had the Sentinels after me, and I took off, and my ship acted as almost though it was, like, hung up on a rock or something on the ground. So my ship was angled. You your ship, dude. It was, like, angled. Yeah, that's how it That's how it felt, because my ship was angled, and I was giving all the power. I was trying to do my boost, and I wasn't going anywhere. Hmm. And then finally, I was able to just kind of move my mouse and my keys around and kind of wiggle out of it, and I went and took off, and I was like what what happened so i don't know if that was the same bug and maybe i won't experience that anymore but that uh seemed to be an issue that they've they fixed for a lot of players um i've seen a lot of people talking about how they can't achieve the extreme survival journey milestone that's been resolved so if people are having an issue before where it was registering how many souls you survived in extreme temperatures um now it should properly record extreme conditions in extreme conditions yeah um, fixed an issue that some players had some technology types 
that were being reported as already known when they picked up the blueprints when they didn't actually know them. And this uh, did the same for blueprints too. Right. Um, fix some waypoint issues that were allowing you to not add any more new waypoints. Um, objective markers were disappearing when you loaded a previous save. That's fixed now. Um, they did make it uh, easier to scan flying creatures. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was definitely pay attention, paying attention and to I that And I tested that out today. It works. Yeah, that's great because, you know, before you literally had to Shoot get close down. enough to kill one of them and uh, and then scan its body because the, uh, the scanner just would not track them due to their fast movement. Occasionally you could get one that was maybe maybe a particularly large or an elderly specimen that was moving slowly enough to capture, but in most cases couldn't do it. I see they fixed the, the height and weight issues. Uh, apparently some creatures would have uh, weights that were representative of what their height actually was. They would have them swapped around. They fixed that now. Um, apparently there was a bug to where you could interact with GEC towers, like the, the, the beam communication towers, over and over and over and over again. Um, and it was just the GEC towers. Couldn't do it with Viking. Couldn't do it with Corvax. Just the GEC towers you could interact with. I wonder which over towers over they mean. Again. I wonder if they mean the transmission towers that uh, search for monoliths or the transmission towers that search for derelict spacecraft. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure about that. But whatever it is, it doesn't do it anymore. So those of you who were using that uh, that that glitch or that bug uh, can't do that anymore. Um, the unredeemed items message that you get in the beginning if you don't claim your ship it goes away after five minutes now. So new players or people who start their save over, if you don't want to claim your ship, you don't feel obligated to do so now because that message will go away after five minutes of gameplay. Um, some people were getting the 0% charge on their photon cannon when they would buy a new ship and it would constantly be prompted to charge your photon cannon. Uh, you can't, you don't, you don't charge your photon cannon. Um, and I've gotten that message just about every time I've gotten a new ship. So, I guess I won't be seeing that anymore. Um, that does bring up, you know, the deeper question of, I mean, that that's always been something I've been a little a little confused about because the photon cannon has a zero percent charge indicator on it, so it it implies that it is supposed to be charged. Uh, I, I imagine that's just a logic kind of leftover. I feel like it should be replaced piece. with an infinity sign if it's not going to ne be necessary to charge it. Yeah. Well, since it probably uses almost an exactly same interface as the uh, your multi-tool, your mining laser, and your bolt caster, like it, the structure of the interface in regards to that, I would imagine, is derived from those pieces. So it acts as or did act as if it was supposed to be charged in some cases. The biggest one, I think, uh, I think this will probably be everyone's favorite part of the patch because there's already been mods that have come out to address this. The uh, exosuit voiceover only lets you know at 50 and 25% now that your, your systems are getting low. That'll be nice. So it's no longer life support systems low at 75%. Yeah, that's yeah. even... By any standards, 75% is not. So that's fixed in-game now. You still can't adjust the volume 
of the voice, but you can. It she doesn't say it at seventy five percent anymore, so you won't be hearing it as often. Well, that was especially annoying when you're on a planet that's really taxing on your life supports, and every, I don't know, forty five seconds that voice is shouting at you. Right. Um, also, turning down music and sound effects volumes in the options now work correctly, uh, it, which will also mute the voiceover. Apparently, before you could turn the sound effects and turn the music down, but you'd still hear the lady barking at you about your your suit. And her very Dalek-ish voice. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you change a ship or your multi-tool and then revert back to a previous save, you should have the appropriate multi-tool for the save that you're on. If you go back to an old save, you'll have your old multi-tool and ship. Uh, because people were loading into their old saves with their new stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Which I don't even know how that would work in the code, but I don't understand all that anyway. Hmm. So, um, You mentioned the Atlas Station collision, uh, keeping you from bumping into stuff so much. Um, the loading screen, you'd see the stars float by and you would continuously see the same names over and over and over and over again. Um, they fixed that, their list of, of names that they have in the game already. Um, you won't, on the loading screen, see the same star system twice. I know that was bugging a lot of people because it didn't feel procedurally generated enough. <laughs> There's only 15 stars in this system. I really hadn't noticed that. Yeah, well, I mean, now at this point, having played the game enough times, you kind of just don't even pay attention when the game's Yeah, I'm, I'm usually like doing something else while the, the game's loading in. I don't well, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take a attention. look just to see like, if there's any interesting names that come by there. There usually are. Um, there are some PC-only issues that were submitted um, and some PS4-only issues. Um, I think we're going to... Uh, did you have anything specific to say about the PC or the PS4 issues, Ross? Uh, nothing that hadn't already been covered. Okay, and uh, with the PC-only issues, if you guys are interested in checking these out, um, you can go online. If you just search for um, the No Man's Sky patch notes, it'll take you straight to Hello Games' website for the game. Right there are the patch notes. It'll let you know all of the specifics um, because there's a lot of them, but it's a lot of tiny little things that probably aren't relevant to most of you. Um, kind of want to dive a little deeper now into our actual gameplay, what we've been doing. Um, like last week, uh, we're going to start with you, Murphy, because uh, you're our guest. Um, anything specific that you want to talk about that's happened since the last time we recorded? Um, just been going through a few more systems, uh, gotten to, uh, I think one or two more Atlas points and at least one more spatial anomaly, uh, since we were talking before and, um, just continuing to, uh, build my vocabulary. I, among other things, I really want to get my vocabularies up and, uh, that does, ensure at this point my chance of success when i meet a new alien and he has some particular thing i know enough words in at least uh gek and corvax that i'm rarely guessing as for my solution and um so you know i can get the new tech or uh better yet you know a new multi-tool or whatever the reward may be for that particular interaction it is pretty satisfying when you bring up an interaction menu and you're able to see enough words to where you're like, okay, I think I know what I'm supposed to be doing here instead of kind of just taking a shot in the dark or going from the main text that they give you on the side to try to guess as to what it is that the NPC may want. Yeah. I know we talked last week about context clues, so I guess that's become a little more fleshed out now that you 
have more words than your vocab. Yep, yep. Been uh, been taking those Rosetta Stone courses. <laughs> Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone, Viking edition. <laughs> uh, was there anything else specifically that you want to touch on, Murphy? Um, nope. Just uh, still coming across a lot of uh, worlds with gravitino balls, and both in plant and in stationary format. Uh, maybe that's just kind of the section of the galaxy I'm at. Uh, but right now, I've just uh, warped into a new system, and. Um, uh, I think I'm on my way to my sixth Atlas point pretty soon. Uh, just actually, I, I could have reached there immediately. I've got the enhanced star drive. Um, aside from looking from a new starship, uh, my other objectives are kind of in the background to try to gather the materials for the second two uh, hyperdrive upgrades I've come across. And um, I mean, once those are installed, I can only imagine you know, following a logical scale that my uh, hyperdrive jumps will be 15 to 20 times uh, more efficient than your basic hyperdrive. And then you'll be moving. Uh, so, yeah, I can really cover some ground. Yeah. Um, you mentioned about the Gravitino balls. Uh, I've been experiencing a lot of that. Uh, it seems like more and more worlds I come across, not necessarily always dense with them, um, but I, I've come across a few planets now that have been just covered in sac venoms and those are nice uh don't get too close to them they will hurt you uh sac venoms are nice because you can just blast them down real quick and if there's a few of them around just in quick succession because they do make the sentinels pretty mad um uh, yeah as with pr pretty much any artifact planet interaction uh if you're out in the open if you're out in the cave it won't get them on you but if you're out in the open and you pick up an artifact item you'll usually get a sentinel combat team deployed on top of you. And then you have a couple options. You can either run inside the closest building or try to get away out of their sight, or you can blast them. Uh, but I found a lot of times what's worked for me, um, and from testing with Ryan, I noticed it doesn't work for everybody, but uh, I, I found that if I blast down one of the sentries and then one of the ground like dog robot things, uh, the last sentry of the three units. Yeah. yeah I think just, we discussed this earlier. Just bug yeah, off it and it do really won't else. catch you. Or even if it does, it's not going to deal because I found damage. that it, it doesn't matter if you kill all three, because the next time you, you destroy a sac venom or pick up a gravitino ball or whatever, they're just going to come right so, back. Yeah, by picking one up, you prevent an additional force from being deployed. It's kind of like um, in zombies. When you leave that one guy, that last crawler, so you can get around and do what you want. One to note I would like to add for, uh, as far as fighting them, uh, against the dog type uh, combat sentinels, which have a mining laser esque weapon uh, that you know is fairly accurate, um, you want to try to be on high ground when you're facing them. And the best weapon to use against them is your grenade launcher. Mm. If you one shot will entirely destroy that unit. Um, if you got good, aim. and if you're on high ground, it's usually pretty easy to draw that line with maybe one or two corrective shots, and then all you have to deal with are the flyers. Very cool. And the flyers go down pretty quick. Yeah. Whether you're using the bolt yeah, caster right now, or I've, mining laser, I've got a fairly enhanced bolt caster with the. Uh, I actually built an enhanced clip for it, which I usually don't build bolt caster mods, but that one was pretty cheap. And with that enhanced clip, I can take down both flying sentinels uh, with one clip. Very cool. What about you, Ross? What have you been doing in No Man's Sky recently? 
Um, well, I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but just kind of cleaning up the systems that I started in, the, some of the neighboring ones, um, doing some additional naming and discoveries, and just visiting some of the planets in those systems to make sure that they have my name on them. Uh, named my uh, starting system uh, Primo Rossi. Nice. So, <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Uh, you know the system Primo Rossi. So, so you got we, one called a uh, Tabula Rossi. <laughs> no, I I do not. the The neighboring system to that that uh, I didn't have to go to, but I did is Secunda Washu. I like that. So, just just come up with some different different unique names. I feel to to cap some of that off. I've had some pretty interesting system names too. Uh, when I was having my session the other day with Ryan, Jordan was sitting there with me, and um, I asked him what I was going to let him name the system and all the planets within it. Um, the system only had three planets in it, and he decided that the first planet that he saw when we warped in uh, was covered in a lot of water, and from from the uh, outside, looking down at the planet, the it, it looked red, like a dark, deep blood red. Jordan thought it looked like tomato soup. So we decided to name that planet Classic Tomato, and then decided that all the other planets in the system were going to be named after Campbell's like soups. Chicken noodle. Yeah. Double noodle. Yeah, uh, we had chicken noodle because there were only three planets, so we had uh, classic uh, classic tomato, chicken noodle, and clam chowder because there was a snowy planet. So uh, was, was there a moon you could have named it goldfish? No, I wish we could have, though. Yeah, the, the snack that smiles back. <laughs> um, right before you bite its head off. Yeah. And uh, I've done what a lot of other players have done, too. I've named a few systems after family members and people significant to me in my life, and that's pretty nice. My mom was pretty tickled when... Uh, I showed her that I had named a system after her and named planets after her and my stepdad and family members. Yeah, I know uh, uh, our friend Andrew, who's also playing it on PS4, He uh, he's named several planets off of his uh, his girlfriend Molly. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I've definitely named some planets after my lady too. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, anything else that you've done, Ross, that you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I, I did kind of want to go into something that I'm noticing in observation, and this is just... Uh, for the stage of the game that I'm at, maybe these results will prove different later on. But I wanted to talk about the environmental protection upgrades. Okay. Uh, so these are upgrades that are powered by oxides. Um, usually pretty simple to build, but they'll give you the lo- the first levels, the sigma levels, will give you basic protection against uh, excess heat, excess cold, um, radiation, uh, toxic environments. I don't think they're worth it, at least not at this stage. The sigma upgrades, one, they take additional oxides just to power uh, above and beyond your life support. And they chew and, through and those power sources they do. pretty that's, quickly. That's, that's what I was going to get at is that those Sigma upgrades, they seem to burn through those oxides really, really quickly. So they're so quickly that it doesn't even seem worth it to spend the materials to even uh, install them when on your suit. When you would already have the basic fuel on you to replenish your life support system. As and your, envi- right your basic environmental protection, which... Yeah. Uh, so far with the Sigma upgrades, they run down so quickly, you might as well not even use them because your envi- your regular environmental protection that's already on your suit runs down so much slower. And, it, you know, you already have the materials. You just need more of them if you wanted to have these upgrades. Now, I might be proven wrong on this come the later upgrades, the Tau upgrades down the line, you know. Uh, this might be might prove to be different. But right just now, the they sigma. just don't seem worth the material cost or even the slots used in your inventory. They're not just, efficient enough. Yeah, they, they, and maybe that's something that can... They, I don't know if that's something they plan on patching or, again, if it's just my limited experience with them, but they're not worth it Well, at this we'll point. keep playing around and 
and maybe they aren't worth it. I, I haven't. I kind of avoided them altogether after you kind of told me what the the deal was. Yeah, well, them. I mean, you've got fuel consumption, so you also need to have fuel on you, and the consumption of the inventory slot itself to house that technology. Right. So two more slots of inventory gone if you're out treasure hunting. And as I'm to understand, if you have like the uh, aquatic attachments too to allow you to breathe underwater, those also consume oxides. Very quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Maybe like Ross said, the upgraded versions could be more beneficial. And maybe that in certain situations, that little extra protection is just what you need like for the underwater upgrades. Maybe you're trying to get to something that's far down under the water and that's just enough for you to get there and get back maybe right. that is where the difference comes into play but right now i've just always strategized around either being close to my ship or just monitoring my systems well enough uh, i've even heard other players saying that they don't even they don't even bother with their life support or their environmental protection until it's gone gone right. i at least like at very minimum will replenish it five percent right but other people they just let until it's like they're offline and then they go to and it's like well you know they give you fair warning so it's not like you're gonna just immediately keel over die, die yeah, yeah. Well, uh, just while we're on that topic, uh, let me ask you something, Dave. Um, what what suit? What upgrades have you built for your suit? Um, for my exosuit, currently I have built um, to the the second and third level um, life support upgrades. Um, well, I guess it would be the first and second because it's the first upgrade and then the second upgrade. Yeah. And I'm actually getting ready to install the third one. Um, I've just had to pick up some extra platinum, but then I'll have all three of the upgrades for the life support system. Nice. Has that um, been useful? Yeah, actually it has because, um, it, it does take a considerably, because even on the, I, I've discovered a lot of planets that don't require me to have, um, either protection from extreme heat or, uh, radiation or acid rain or whatever. Um, but still it takes up your life support system. Yeah. They still don't still have a depletes. Well, one thing, and maybe it goes into the meta and the story of the game, uh, your character can't breathe the air of any of these planets. Well, we don't know what our character is, so maybe they yeah. don't breathe, you know, who knows. Um, maybe life support is just a fancy name for battery power. Uh, but uh, I, I've just pretty much installed the life support, and I've installed the two of the uh, jetpack upgrades. Yeah, that's that's one of the upgrades I've actually messed around with is the jetpacks. And three actually of the stamina upgrades. Yeah, yeah, I think the stamina got, upgrades are yeah. completely worth it because yeah. now I can run for probably about forty-five seconds before I have to stop and it's let it time recharge. For your pack to cool down. Exactly, and so you kind of alternate between that and occasionally I'll use the the melee sprinting system because if you're sprinting and you hit your melee key repeatedly, you will kind of dash a little farther huh. and move a little bit quicker. And I've noticed that if, if you time that melee attack with a jetpack boost, you won't take off the ground. You'll just... Oh, wow. Just, I haven't noticed that either. I've, 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 I can't figure out the timing completely. I haven't gotten it perfect, but Ooh. I've been able to, at the end of a run, hit melee and then hit that jetpack. Instead of going up, you just go straight forward with that jetpack I'll boost. have to try that out. That sounds like that would be yeah. that rocket boost. It's pretty cool. Getting into some guns, the dual K-style <laughs> kind of stuff. Um. But yeah, so uh, Ross, was that pretty much it for what you wanted to talk about? Was about the the radiation upgrades? And yeah, all that? and now that you've kind of talked about some of the other exosuit upgrades, it's kind of given me some food for thought because I have just gotten a, uh, I guess my thirtieth 
exosuit slot. Mm-hmm. So I have I have a good good amount of spaces. You I could, could just I could hit thirty as well today. I could I could definitely stand to upgrade some things. I've only messed around with the jetpack upgrades and with that just the Sigma. Well, that's a big part of the survival aspect of this game is, I mean, earlier on when you don't have all these extra exosuit slots, the upgrades you pick and choose, you know, you don't, you know, you want to be very careful about what you're putting in in your ship, in your uh, multi-tool, and in your um, exosuit. Early on, I didn't feel like I needed a bolt caster because I only had room for either a bolt caster or the grenades. And I felt like the grenades were more useful to me. But now that I have a better multi-tool, I have both. So, it, you know, that's kind of a, f- a fun uh, aspect to the survival and also the, the resources to even build the upgrades you don't have access to as much early on. Right. Um, unless you're, you know, very fortunate. Uh, well, and this is, this is something that maybe we could do some research on for next week's episode. I did kind of hear a little something that where you put the upgrades matters like if they're adjacent to the tech that they apply directly to and how you stack them somehow i I don't don't know if that's true okay it is true and basically how it works is that when you um stack upgrades next to each other they will uh light up with a glow around them based on what type of upgrade it is so there's an indication that to indicate that they are kind of almost powered by one another but now, you don't. But you, you don't have to necessarily like say put all the jetpack boost right next to your jetpack. Some of them you do. Okay. It'll tell you in the description for the item whether or not it needs to be located adjacent to that specific thing. Okay. Uh, some of the upgrades for the multi-tool stuff, and like some you for your have ship to, too, for right? some for your ship. Yeah. They have to be placed adjacent to. Other times, if you just like the. Um, like the uh, pulse laser on the ship, you can put three of the pulse laser uh, upgrades together next to one another, and they'll they'll be powered. Now they all still give you the benefit if you just have them in your inventory. But they give an additional they give benefit you an additional if you have benefit the if adjacency. They're, if they're adjacent and like synergized with. Okay, one well that kind of clears that up as something I had heard. And I just wasn't sure what the system was and how it worked. That. And yeah, and again, there's probably. Prompt some experimentation to be done there to if determine you can't what see, works and what so doesn't. So what I'm talking about, about the glowing ring around the items, uh, next time you're at a space station, check out some of the other ships and go in and compare their ships and look at the inventories on the ships. A lot of times you'll see it in there and you'll be like, oh, I hadn't actually noticed that before. It's very subtle. Uh, but it is there. Okay. Um, and, it, and the color is dependent upon what upgrade type it is, whether, you know, bolt caster is red, I think. Um, the laser for your ship is green. Um, so on and so forth. Cool. Uh, that gr- is some, grenade upgrades are purple. That's I some think. neat info. Yeah. So if you put them together, they synergize, kind of get you a little extra boost and bonus. Um, so how about your play experiences, Dave? Uh, I've uh, played quite a bit. Played for about six or seven hours the other day straight. Um, that was that's about the longest amount of time I've had with the game, um, and. I, like I said early on, I'm having trouble. Ross, you know, you're kind of going back and and completing stuff that you worked that you'd seen already and and early in your, in your early systems. And Murphy, you're kind of chugging along and moving. I don't know what I want to do. I want to do both. It's like I want to go back and and hundred percent old systems that I've been to. And all the planets within those and systems. the hundred percent completion bonus is you know small thing. 
What so, is the uh, what's the credit for 100%? It varies world by world. Depends um, on how much content. Yeah, but uh, I've seen ones ranging from 250 to 370,000 units in addition to the units you get for scanning each, each life form. That's uh um, that's not chump change. Yeah, yeah, no, no it it really isn't and um only one that I've achieved was on an artifact world that was actually always also temperate in climate. So it was just a great place, and I was there for some time and just got to a point where was you know, it was just logical to go for that completion. I feel like for a lot of people, uh, I've seen on the, the groups is that they'll, they'll get close to, they'll have one creature left to discover to 100% a planet, and they can't find that one creature. And they get really frustrated because they've spent hours and hours for and water hours. Too. Well, and some of them have one. chalked it up to possibly being bugs yeah. or technical issues. And, you know, it, it, it could be. It might not but be. But I think but a lot of it, too, is, like, under the water. Like, if, you know, your planet could be dry except for one puddle that's large enough to sustain life somewhere on your planet. And there might be a creature that generated into that puddle. But then to say something about the, the scale of the game, the level of how this game operates, and the fact that you could spend, I've, you know, heard some of the same stories, people spending 15, 16 hours on one planet. Well, and, and they find everything but one But one, one creature. creature. Yeah. Well, and there's different regions you can land on each time you end right. up going to a planet if you go back to it several times. Right. And that's, uh, I think, that element, because I was making runs from that world, collecting artifacts, going back, selling them, and then coming back, but usually hitting a different point. A different point. Um, so, yeah, come across new things. So I'm kind of at a point now where it's like I want to keep moving forward because... Not only am I interested to see about the lore of the Atlas Path, the the endings have both been exposed for me for either path. So I'm not so much looking towards what's at the end, but so much like what's there on the way, which is kind of the whole point. But now that I've met Nada and Polo for the first time, I'm kind of like, what's up with these guys? Like, what are they? What are they doing? Like, so you at know. least that's become known as the same for all games, right? And well, yeah, yeah, they're they're distinct. They're um, they're too unique, and they speak English. The distinct they're, static. Characters. They're the only NPCs in the game that speak a language that your character understands naturally. Still, in a vernacular appropriate to their species, the Gek, kind of chittery and very fast broken. Yeah. The uh, uh, the Corvax. It's very regimented. A lot of and, periods in the uh, phrases. Yeah, just very just like, um, direct. Yeah. Like, no no preamble. Right. Just No uh, rise or fall in the tone of the voice. Yeah. Right. So, um, so that's been pretty interesting. But at the same time, I'm almost afraid to not go back and, and enjoy a little more of previous systems because eventually I'll get far enough away to where it's not going to be worth the time or the effort or the uh, resources. Necessarily if you get those enhanced warp drives. That's true. I mean, if you're able to make, you if you're, know, if you're just kind of, if you're just wanting to kind of carve out and explore your own sector of space, um, you know, getting those later warp drive technologies could, you know, you could really tie an area together and, you know, calculate even as like how many, how many light, light years is the radius of mm -hmm. where I can go. And, still be in the areas I've explored or areas I might want to go back to. Um, and I, I'm definitely tracking that cause I'm, I'm very much hoping that the developers do come through with features for base building and communication. That's, that's the real thing to me, uh, that's missing that, um, 
you know, even these NPCs that you meet, you could never communicate with them again. Right. And um, it would be interesting if that was a factor and if you could build social relationships and build those over a distance and turn those into trade links across systems. Right. So, or even, uh, you know, uh, vessels or so. So, yeah, maybe, to, may, to you maybe, in maybe a little hopeful and off topic, but. Uh, no, not necessarily. I mean, I think that's kind of, that actually kind of fits into one of the things was, you know, things you'd like to see. Um, and we asked you about that before, but yeah. you know that that's a good point. That's that's something. Um, the relationship it's like we can between enter the hyperspace, but you know, so there's really no communication between star systems because that's what it feels like within the galaxy, except through the intergalactic trade network. So maybe that 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 will become a new faction. There's the Atlas. There's the Renegades and the Spatial Anomaly, and there's the Trade. The Galactic Trade Federation with its, the with its eye right. always looking at you. And it's and then, then there are the pirates. It's like are the pirates do they have a you know, is there a pirates union where the pirates, you know Can you join the pirates? A federation of pirates, you know. Um, well, so that's definitely something I'd like to see yeah. more in depth as well. Um it would be interesting if you developed a negative enough relationship with the civilized factions that the pirates wouldn't attack you and they would be. aid you if they happened right. to be in the area. And that's another thing I want to see. I would like to see more than three races. I think it's kind of a little ridiculous that there's this huge you know, universe and there's only the Gek. The Corvax. Yeah. Well, they have kind of made up for that with the very random morphics of the individuals within the race. But even that doesn't make any sense because it's not like there's much consistency within a particular solar system. It's right. like, oh, this is what Gek-like creatures look right. like in this solar system. Is like, no, the the appearance is still completely random. I'm I'm sorry, Ross, you're about to say. Um, just maybe it does in a way kind of represent. And you know we don't know this for certain, but possibly the the reality that even within just one galaxy, there might be millions and millions and millions of stars with billions of planets orbiting them, but there's very 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 it's small very chance cute. of intelligent life forming. I mean, there might be abundance of of other life like we experience on the planets in No Man's Sky when you go and you are but discovering, life. yeah, but the actual intelligent, you know, space traveling life. Probably very, very, very few and far between. So it's almost safe to assume that you know it's almost early on in the the life of the the universe as it is, and there are only so many possibly, and even 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 those intelligent that, species have had have taken you know in, in, in respect to how how species can develop relatively short periods of time to the lifespan of the galaxy, right. but it could still be early on in this galaxy's life. Well, and then that limitation. Come on, it's only a billion years old. An element of the writing um, of the story and of the story behind the Atlas and the Sentinels. And, you know, maybe it's something where there was more life and then those forces were introduced um, and cleansed life and put different life in its place. A la Mass Effect. Yeah, or uh, or Halo, or, or Halo, most or sci-fi most, stories, yeah. <laughs> most things. Um, we'll kind of go around the table on this. Uh, Murphy, have there been early on in the game? You know, we kind of had a lot of those wow moments where you see something or something happens that you're just like, man, this is super cool. 
um, you know, having continued to play the game, have you, have there been any of those moments like that for you recently? Um, I did, uh, finally have a genuine, uh, threat to my life on the land, um, in the form of an indigenous life form, uh, just some big four-legged thing that, um, uh, got aggressive with me for some reason. I was on his turf, I guess, and, uh, I was already... I think picking up Gravitino balls or something, so I had a Sentinel combat team against me, and then this guy comes up, uh, whacks me around, his blows, uh, true to the physics system, uh, throwing me several meters away, and uh, I uh, I barely escaped from that one. I did throw some firepower at him, threw some grenades, threw some, sh- some shots, and that, that more or less just made him more mad. More mad. So, uh... But I did manage to scramble back to my ship with my last bar of life and my last sliver of uh, hazard protection. And what did you say it looked like? What kind of creature was it? Um, uh, was he four legged? Kind of, well, he was kind of he was four limbed, but like a little more upright. Kind of, I don't know, kind of like a bear. Bear with back lizard alligator legs. Oh, bear gator legs. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Bear Gator. Those funky creations. Yeah. I haven't come across any like massive um, aggressive creatures. It seems like most of the big creatures I come across are herbivores. Yeah, they're herbivores yeah. or they're docile or their their temperament is, you know, questionable. But uh, the only threats I've had from indigenous life forms have been smaller things so far. Me too. That just like sneak up on you, like oh something's like nibbling at my ankle. Well, I, and then I, turn around I, I and come a, a lot of demon. these like brain crab looking things yeah, are hostile. Things they they tend to be skitterish and hostile. Little face hugger things. Yeah, but yeah, I had that one night. Ross was watching me, and I started getting attacked. And I turn around, and there's just like this doofy faced. It's like a mix with it's like a bee mixed with a goat mixed with a dinosaur. A dinosaur. <laughs> Like and flying just like, and just like, just like just like I'm going to like, get you, <laughs> like you know, whacking you in the face or something. Yeah. Um, what about you, Ross? Any of those moments? Those wow, favorite moments? Um, this week, you know, I didn't get too much time to play, so nothing new has really surfaced in terms of that. Just you know, continuing my explorations and uh, just still being in awe of, of the vastness of the landscape and the diversity of the planets. You know, every time you get on a new one, this uh, one of my favorite ones from uh, system kind of getting closer to the Atlas point is a a giant jungle world so it was temperate on in the daytime i was able to survive without protections to my or uh, threats to my protection units um really cool uh trees uh, lots of water uh reddish landscape so it was just again just really enjoying the the scale of the landscape i uh i've definitely noticed and we were kind of talking about this earlier about the density of of npcs and stuff I have noticed the farther I get into the galaxy, when I go to bases and stuff like that, uh, like on the early few starting systems, you'd go to bases and there'd be multiple buildings, but only one building would have an NPC in them. And I have started noticing more and more. I'll land at, at observatories and stuff, and you'll go in one building. And well, and that's a- that's pretty mi- that's another rando. That's another random generation. Oh, really? Because um, uh, the uh, the outpost buildings that actually have a landing pad, mm-hmm. they they have the capacity to have two NPCs at them. Sometimes they do. Sometimes, sometimes they don't. They don't. Um, so yeah, that is that is still something that. I mean, I don't know if I'm getting further core word or not of kind of i've been following the atlas path 
but um but yeah i i am very certain that yeah that's just up to the numbers okay um i think my favorite moment so this up uh, this past week of playing has been um discovering the atlas interface and the uh, space normal anomaly for the first time Going into the Atlas interface, you just kind of do one of these where you're looking around and you're yeah, just it's, like, "Yeah, it's very epic. It's oh, very wow. it's like, very as you're coming into it to land. Yeah, and um, special anomaly. I was kind of just like, "What? What, what is this?" And you go in and you just see these. It's this, steampunk, this, you know. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, excuse me. And you go in and you see Nada and Polo, and you're like, "What's up with these guys?" Like, it made me want to know more about the lore. I'm like, "Who? Who do these guys work for?" I mean. They point you in the direction of the core. They can point you in the direction yeah, of wherever Atlas. you want to go. They're, like, they're about the journey. What what are they doing? Like, what's up with these? Well, guys? and I think that's the thing. They're there. They represent the journey. Um, right. Well, and that comes through in Polo's interaction specifically. Mm-hmm. Once you uh, once you begin to interact with him more, he'll ask you uh, about certain things, and it'll kind of require you to have reached a milestone in whatever category he's asking about killing sentinels interacting right. with aliens making warp jumps um but uh but yeah and you actually start to have more interactions and you do build an ongoing dialogue with those characters which is nice and which um is is a shame cuz in a way cuz those are the only two NPCs with which you have an evolving dialogue. All of the right. others are just one-offs, it's and it's static. like you might get something good from that first encounter, and then they're on a conversation loop. Right. Um, which, and yeah, you can't build anything from that. So even if they are random people out there, it would be nice to be able to build relationships to communicate with them over distance. And I think that kind of uh, goes back to my overall thought process on the game is just, uh, just. I'm going to stick with it, you know, um, I'm going to continue playing it when I, you know, feel inclined to and keep exploring and, and checking things out and watching as the game grows and evolves. And like I've said time and time again, what is this game going to be like in a year? You know, what, how, how different is it going to be? Are we going to get a lot of the things that we've asked for? You know, there could be some things out there that we haven't even thought of that we might get that might be wonderful additions to the game. Well, and I have seen a few examples um, like this. Uh, Planetary Annihilation comes to mind. Um, at the time of its launch, um, it had evolved a lot from its Kickstarter beta state, and um, uh, they they did end up adding a lot, adding more units, adding radical changes to gameplay and more maps and more content. Um, things did spiral out a little with that particular developer and they added more content, which they actually released as a paid expansion, which made a lot of people angry because Mm -hmm. it was content that they felt should have been in the original game. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's something that does evolve over time. Um, so I, uh, for my part, am definitely willing to, uh, continue to give the developer, some time uh, to uh, to continue to expand on what they've put out for us. Yeah. Um, Murphy, uh, you're going to get to be the guinea pig on this. You kind of last week gave a lot of tips and tricks out. So I think we decided to start doing like a tip of the week, just like one good solid tip that everybody could potentially benefit from. 
Um, I asked you prior to recording if, if you could get together a tip for us. What, what do you got for us? Um, I'm going to tell you how to find the starship of your dreams. Okay. Or at least uh, attempt to. Um, so you can buy a starship from anyone in a starport, but uh, many of you will have already come across derelict starships on your planet. There is a reliable method for finding those ships. To begin with, uh, you'll need to know the formula for bypass ships. You should get this very early on in your travels. Uh, they require 10 iron, 10 plutonium, very common elements, easy to build one. Uh, at any settlement or outpost site, most of those sites will have a uh, dormant transmission point with a yellow laser line emerging from it into the sky uh, you can go up to this use your bypass chip to activate it and it will give you four options um, among those options will be search for transmission click on this option this will lead you to one of two potential sites an observatory or a transmission tower um, you should explore it either way the observatory will lead you to a monolith but the transmission tower if you solve the mathematical puzzle within and unlock it will lead you to the signal for a derelict spacecraft uh, just by searching this and finding this you will have already improved your relation with the uh, alien community of that derelict ship which may not be the same as what controls that system and uh, and this is how you find derelict starships on a planet without just wandering around randomly. Uh, keep in mind, there's only going to be so many in a region, but that's easily solved. If you find one, it's kind of a junker. Go ahead, leave, go to near orbit. Uh, your orbital and solar system speed is much higher. Fly to a different region of the planet, come back down, try it again. And uh, that's pretty much the essence of it. I think that's a pretty helpful tip if you don't want to spend all your credits. I mean, obviously, once you find the ship, there will be parts of it that are messed up that you'll have to repair. So, yeah. But it's you... a lot cheaper than having to buy them from ports. And uh, just keep in mind, most of the uh, elements you'll need to get it flying will be accessible on the planet. If you really want to be ready uh, to recover a derelict starship, make sure you stock up on... Oh, what are they called? Um... It's the core component for hyperdrives dimensional modulator something like that i believe so um uh you can get them at starports everyone at starports has them by three and you should have everything you need to repair uh your drives awesome well thanks for that tip and uh we'll try every week to get our guests to to bring in a tip that's been helpful for them um i think that's going to do it for us for this week ross did you have anything else before we go is there a question of the week, Dave? Actually, we do have a question of the week, and we kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, question of the week this week, we didn't get any responses to our question of the week from last week. Fans, people, people, you're supposed to respond to this. Anyway, um, our question of the week this week is, are you starting to feel bored or burnt out, or are you still just as excited as you were when the game launched and prior? Murphy? Um... I'll I'll definitely say I'm I'm worn a little. Um, I've had some other kind of new content come up in other games that I've been playing that have uh, pulled me away a little. Um, 
I am still very much enjoying the core gameplay of it and enjoying um, kind of carving out my own name in the sector that I'm in. Uh, but um, if more depth to the content is not forthcoming, I can foresee a point at which I might not be playing so much. Okay. How about you, Ross? Uh, I'm I'm still just about as excited as I was when it, it came out. I've again I haven't had much time this last week, week and a half to play. Um, but when I do play, I find myself entranced with what I'm doing, even just the the base mechanics of it. So, you know, with my you know, uh, much like Sean Murray was, I'm sure when he created this game, with my eyes turned to the stars, I look forward to to bigger and brighter things. I think I'm kind of somewhere in the middle between the both of you. Um, I played a lot on Saturday, so I kind of had to take a break on Sunday from playing because I just was kind of burnt out on it a little bit. Um, wasn't really sure what it was I wanted to do next. Uh, played for a little bit today, though, and kind of got back in and completed some things I wanted to do. And Will it be the only game that I play for the next little while? I, I think... I'm waiting to see what's coming next. I think sooner rather than later, they need to, now that they've started kind of fixing the bugs and doing that, they kind of, they need to start working on rolling out um, some, some new content that we haven't seen yet for the game. Uh, Because people are way farther along in the game than I am. I mean, Murphy, you're farther along than I am, but there, I mean, there are people out there who have played, you know, a hundred plus hours of this game now. And, they don't know what to do themselves. And I think, well, that's the thing for something with so much breadth, um, aside from going to every planet and trying to do a hundred percent scans, there's really not that much else to do. Um, there's not that much, uh, even at the point I'm at, there's not, I'm not coming across a lot of new technology. Neither am I. Uh, most of what I've encountered has been stuff I've already known. Um, and I think, I think I'll, I've started spending less time on each individual planet. Uh, I think before I was spending a lot of time on each planet trying to kind of see the ins and outs of this planet and see if there's anything to see and discover a few monoliths, go to a few bases. Now I'm kind of going down, discovering a couple monoliths, going to a few bases, seeing if I can learn some words, maybe pick up some tech, see if there's any artifacts on the planet. And then I'm kind of moving on to the next planet. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, that's a model similar to what I've, adop- I've adopted in most cases. They talked about base building and the whole freighter ship thing. I hope that that's not something that we see a year from now. I hope that's something we see maybe three to six months from now, maybe even sooner than that. I think any kind of new, fresh uh, content would be good. I'm still loving the game when I play it. I uh, There's... It's just kind of gotten to the point now where I've had a couple instances to to kind of binge on the game. And it's a really nice game to sit down and play for a few hours and just kind of relax um, and and see what's going on in that area. And I think think playing less will actually make the game uh, enjoyable for a longer period. For me. Makes it more exciting when you do get when I do get on because I the little bit of time I do spend I'm doing stuff and I'm not just going from planet to planet repeating the same stuff over and over again. Um, so I think I think it's going to be a while before I sit down and play six to eight hours of No Man's Sky again. Uh, but I'm still going to continue playing it. We're still going to continue doing this as long as No Man's Sky is worth talking about. 
and people were wanting to listen to it. And we have stuff to talk about in the game. Uh, we're going to keep doing this. But um, if you guys want to respond to the question of the week, as always, you can email us at gmail.com. Um, that is the Atlas Cast at gmail.com. Um, you can also check out our website at theatlascast.wixsite.com slash theatlas or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash theatlascast. Um, special thank you to our guest, Murphy. Thanks for filling in kind of last minute when we decided to do this this random Tuesday record. Hey, thanks for having me, guys, and thanks, everyone, for listening. It's going to be a long time before you're back again, Murphy. Ouch. <laughs> and as always, thank you to my co-host, Ross Harden. Thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah, always. Um, and again, I'm David Fennell. And thank you so much for listening to The Atlas. We'll see you next week, and happy exploring. David, I just wanted to give a special thank you to DeviantArt user Fire Dragon Matty and Abel Multimedia for the logo design. A uh, special thank you to Gray Matter on SoundCloud, that's G R E Y M A T T R, um, for the intro music. And thank you to our co host, uh, Ross Harden, who provided the outro music. Um, you can find us again on the web at theatlascast.wixsite.com slash theatlas, on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash theatlaspodcast, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash theatlascast. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next week.